Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Welcome, welcome to Morning Devotion. I hope all is well with each and every one of you. Thankful for this moment to get together this Friday, May 27th, sort of a a heavy subject, but oh, I believe it's got some powerful implications in our daily lives. We welcome you here to the MD family. Meet Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Central, many throughout the world, tuning in at a later time here on Facebook, YouTube. Thank you. Like, share, follow the page. And I think you're going to share this one and maybe share this with someone close. This Friday, Betrayed releasing hurts into his keeping. We welcome you here. We welcome you warts and all. That's it. We welcome you to come just as you are and to find some strength and healing and just encouragement in this place. This is a bunch, a bunch of people. We're just doing life together and believing God is going to help us through this time. Leave some prayer requests. We encourage you to do that encouraged to tell us what's going on in your life and tell us, tell us where it hurts. Tell us the pain points and let's hear about it. Remember Sister Patty Paxton, your prayers. Vince Cade came through a difficult operation last night. Vince, we're praying for you. Yesterday I mentioned there were two thoughts on my mind. They were totally incompatible, refused to be shared could not be coaxed to travel the same path together. Otherwise, I probably would have shared them both yesterday. But no, today, it wanted its own day. Betrayed, releasing hurts into his keeping. Can we get honest? Can we get transparent? We've all been hurt. We got skin on. We're going to hurt. I want to help you. And I want to help someone you know. I, I don't believe that two people who get married, that they ever intend to walk away from that marriage. I believe they mean those vows till death do we part, but we've seen many marriages, uh, many marriages broken. I performed a lot of them. We see the trail of hurt and carnage. We see the divorce courts bulging and hurts and angers. And we have here in Texas what's called no-fault divorce, but all parties walk away feeling Betrayed. Betrayal is such a common feeling. It was Anais Nin in The Winter of Artifice. She wrote, love never dies a natural death. It dies because we don't know how to replenish its source. It dies of blindness and errors and betrayals. It dies of illnesses and wounds. Love dies of weariness and of witherings and of tarnishings. Can love ever die? Only when she feels betrayed, then love will wither. Betrayal, rejection. They are so common in life. They are common in relationships. They're common in what we do. And I believe, I believe that just as Paul said, we declare the whole counsel of God that I believe that our ministry, we preach Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said. And in the midst of saying that Christ and him crucified, we're admitting that betrayal 
is part of what we preach because Christ would have never been crucified had he not been betrayed. And so betrayal goes to the heart of who he is and what he did for us. And I believe that we ignore subjects like this to our own peril. I, 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 I want to talk about the lofty things. I want to talk about Melchizedek and Theophanes, and I want to talk about angels, and I want to talk about these heavenly things. But we live on planet Earth, and it's down here on planet Earth that we walk and we move and we can feel rejection and pain. So I want to talk to you today. I want to help you today. Betray, releasing hurts into his keeping. I, I, I want to look at the life of David today because this is what I think. David was a man after God's own heart. So in a sense, he is our pattern. And then also in the life of David, you see a precursor. You see a foreshadowing. You see a hint of what the life of Jesus Christ, the son of David, is going to be. And since Jesus said that we should walk in his steps and follow him, I believe it's good to look at the Old Testament counterpart of Jesus in this regard and to look at betrayal and rejection. It was tough for David. In the greatest betrayal of his life, it was actually a twin betrayal. His friend Ahithophel betrayed him. It's hard to bury a friend, but it's tougher to bury a friendship. Oh, can I get a witness to that? You, you can almost hear the note of betrayal in Paul's voice. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Or in Martha's voice, you can all, almost sense the betrayal. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have perished. You can almost feel the pathos of betrayal in Christ's voice when he speaks to Judas that thou doest, do quickly. Betrayal is so common in life and common in friendships, but it's so hurtful. I mean, a friend should lay down his life for you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. A friend should give you good advice. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend is someone who should pray for you. Samuel said, I will not sin in ceasing to pray for you. A friend shouldn't steal from you, lie about you, shouldn't spread slander and hurtful things, shouldn't intentionally try to hurt your feelings or your family, your livelihood. Betrayal, betrayal. It, it's common in life. We have a lot of faulty cures for betrayal and rejection. Uh, revenge is used, is the means used by some. They'll say, I'm just going to get back at them. I'll fight fire with fire. They hurt me. I will hurt them back. I'm going to get them. I'm not going to get sad. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to go after them. And that's the method of choice offered to us by Hollywood. All of you aficionados of soap operas, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> Those aficionados of soap operas, it's just filled with one plot of revenge after another, conspiring to hurt those who hurt them. Revenge. Here's what a Sicilian proverb says. Revenge is a certain season in hell. Yeah. Vengeance only belongs in the hands of the Lord, never ours. That's one faulty method, revenge. Another one is 
You can pull the ostrich syndrome. You can just pretend it never happened. And that's the pacifists and the romantics amongst us. We'll just try to act like it never happened. Rather than risking the loss of a friendship, a relationship, we're just going to choose to ignore it, that we were hurt and betrayed. Someone once said, if somebody betrays you once, it's his fault. If he betrays you twice, it's your fault. And I know there's some truth in that, but many people will just say, I've been betrayed again and again and again. I'm just trying to ignore it and act like it never happened. Yeah, that's one method. I I would say, if you have a friend, can I just get practical? If you have a friend that's constantly betraying you, they're, they're a false friend. They're not a true friend. Be careful who you allow to draw close to you. Another method used by the world is to become bitter. That's what they do. They just become bitter, bitter. Ralph Waldo Emerson once gave the definition of success in this life. He said the success success in this life means to laugh much, to win respect of intelligent people, the affection of children, to earn the approbation of honest critics, and to endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, find the best in others, give oneself, leave the world a little better, whether by a healthy child, a garden, a redeemed social situation, to have played and to have laughed with enthusiasm, to sing with exultation, to know even one life has breathed easier because you've lived. This is to have succeeded. That's a beautiful definition of success. I would probably have placed God at the first of that list. But one thing that Emerson said that's good here, success is learning to endure the betrayal of false friends. Realize that those who betrayed you might not have been your friend in the first place. You may have imagined them to be your friend. Don't let betrayal cause you to grow bitter. You've got to learn how to process betrayal. And that's why I come to you today with this thought, because I know we've been hurt, singed by the embers of smoldering grievances. We carry the smoke and the fragrance of that grievance with us and allow it to influence and guide our actions. Sometimes every waking moment is the ground zero of our thought life. And we nurse and we favor those hearts and scars and wounds. And we forget, oh, how we forget that we are loved We are treasured and we are kept in God's most precious hand. Can I get a witness to that? Mike, Winnie, Anna, can I just get a witness to that? That God loves us. Don't ever forget it. Betray. Learning to release, to release our hurts into his keeping. Do you need some help in this area? Most of us do. Most of us do. We Cling to those old hurts, those rusty swords. We got to let them go. Releasing those hurts into his keeping. So this is where David serves us. He was a man after God's own heart. As I mentioned, the precursor of the son of David. In other words, what David experienced, Jesus experienced. And what did both experience? Betrayal, rejection. Isaiah even said of Jesus that he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. David was betrayed. Jesus was betrayed. David was rejected. Jesus was rejected. So that tells me you and I are no different. If we're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, we're going to experience, 
we're going to experience betrayal and rejection. I sat down this morning and, and just began off the top of my head to scribble down some of the rejections and betrayals by David. First, by his own father, Jesse. When Samuel the prophet came to Jesse's house and said, I'm going to anoint the future king of Israel, need to see all your boys. Jesse's father had, Jesse's had, had all of his, David's father had all of his sons parade before the prophet, but God said, no, 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 no. In fact, seven times no. God wanted the eighth son, the eighth son not called by his father, the eighth son ignored by his father. Second, the betrayal, the rejection in David's life. Something's going on with David's mom. I, you can't read the Bible without realizing something's going on there. Um, granted, when you read the genealogies that women's names are absent a lot, um, but I mean, we know the name of Samuel's mother, Hannah. We know the name of Moses' mother, Jochebed. We, we know the names of most of the significant characters, names of the mothers of the most significant characters in the Bible, but not David. Nowhere in scripture is David's mother named. And that's so unusual for a major Bible character, especially one whose life was entwined with the Messiah, like David. It isn't definitive, but it, it's, it's confusing, even a little bit controversial. I, I don't present this as law as gospel, but something's going on with David's mom. There's a hint of scandal in David's life. That same hint of scandal that followed Jesus or a similar scent, the whisperings that must have followed Jesus throughout his earthly life about his own birth, that Mary was indeed his mother, but Joseph was not his true father. Well, the inverse happened to David, it seems. In Psalm 51, that great psalm of repentance over David's sin with Beth. Bathsheba, we, we, we find David saying in verse five, he, he said, you do know that I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. Now, you and I, theological, we race, say, yeah, that's the falling nature of man. That's a sin of man that he's referring to. And that's normally how we reference that. But some scholars believe David was speaking quite literally that he was the product of an illicit affair between his father, Jesse, and an unnamed woman. Because indeed, there is an absent mother figure in David's life. Betrayal, betrayal. Could this be why David said in my favorite Psalm, the 27th Psalm, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Can you hear the betrayal and the rejection? And what about his brothers? Not, not, not one of the seven brothers said, hey, dad, you forgot about David. Where's David at? He, you, Samuel said he wanted to see all of your sons. Where's David? You can sense the animosity they had toward this young brother. When David brought the bread and cheese to the battlefield, there was a confrontation between him and his brothers. Psalm 69, verse eight, David said, I've become estranged from my brothers. I'm an alien to my mother's son. Some, some say he's referring to two groups of kids. I don't think that. I think it's just redundancy. But the interesting word is a estranged. It's a Hebrew word. It means to be turned aside from benevolence, turned aside from lodging, not welcome. Uh, here's where he mentioned golf for food, vinegar for drink. And of course, that, that is also indicating the Messiah. 
David's brothers made his life miserable. Are you seeing the comparison here? The betrayals experienced by David were just a foreshadowing of what Jesus himself would experience. And I could go on and on with that. But I do need to mention three more. Three more. Is this all right? Uh, Wallace, Colleen, is this all right? I, I, David was betrayed by his dad-in-law, King Saul. The man that stood head and shoulders above all of Israel, the man who should have gone and fight the giant Goliath, but rather gave his armor, offered his armor to a 15-year-old boy instead. That Saul would turn on David with a jealousy and a hatred. What a betrayal. What scholars believe to be an eight-year ordeal, an eight-year safari, where Saul hunted David like a wild animal from 1 Samuel 21 to 1 Samuel 31. What a betrayal. He was betrayed by King Saul. He was betrayed by his son Absalom. And that is conjoined with the twin betrayal by David's most trusted advisor, Ahithophel. And this is where I want to settle because this is where we're going to see the cure and the answer and how to release the hurts. The story is complex. It's not shallow. It's not the single dimensional characters of modern novels. The story is as deep as life itself. Absalom, one of David's sons who had recently come back from exile after the treacherous murder of another of David's sons, Amnon, was allowed to come home. And Absalom was stunningly handsome, a favorite of the people. And rather than being grateful for the king's generosity and pardoning him and allowing him to come home, he began a whispering campaign against his dad. And for four years, he practiced treachery. And the Bible says he stole the hearts of Israel. And after four years of doing this, he said, hey, dad, I want to go to Hebron. I want to sacrifice. Hebron was one of the Six cities of refuge. And he said, sure, yes, go, go sacrifice. Well, it was there that he marshaled his forces, staged a coup against his own father, David. And David got the news of this. And he and his loyal followers fled the city. And in their flight, they come to the edge of the Mount of Olives. And one of the most poignant moments in scripture, David removes his shoes and barefoot. He climbs up that rocky mountain and there he covers his face and he, we he wept. It was then that news arrived. Not only did Absalom betray him, but Ahithophel was the mastermind of the betrayal. Ahithophel, his friend. And overlooking that city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olive, David would pen the 55th Psalm. And he said, it's not an enemy that attacked me. I could have borne that. It was not someone who hated me. I could have hid from them if it was an enemy. But Ahithophel, it was you, my friend, my peer, my advisor. It's you. We spent countless hours together talking and confiding. And it was you, you and I. We went up to God's house and spent time together in the presence of God. The hint of betrayal is obvious in the 55th Psalm. How was David going to cope with this? He's a man after God's own heart. How is he going to process this? Well, it's in Psalm 55. Martha, Billy, Deborah, that God gives us the answer. It's learning how to release hurts into the hands of the Lord. And there's a process David went through when he felt betrayed. Here we go. 
Let's go through it. First, he recognized his own shortcomings. Had he not committed adultery with Bathsheba, there wouldn't be a sword over his house. Had he not, had he disciplined Absalom early and he would have never had been sent into exile, never been allowed to return. There would have never been a coup. Had he not have permitted Absalom to showily displace himself in the city of David and to influence the people, he could have never stolen their hearts. So David did what Jesus would do on the night of his betrayal. He ascended the Mount of Olives. But hear me carefully. There's only been one sinless person to make that trip. Everybody else who climbs that mountain is guilty. And David wept and wept over his own shortcomings. When you feel betrayed, first of all, look in the mirror and say, God, what did I do to contribute to this? Did I ignore some warning signals? Did my dreams and my idealism obscure reality? Did I allow my emotions to carry me away? Was there something I said or did? Was there something I should have done? It caused people to feel disenfranchised, threatened. Am I a good friend to others? David, there on that mountain, barefoot and crying, acknowledged his shortcomings to God. Until we repent of our wrongdoings, we prohibit God from answering our prayers. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. Eddie, I believe that. Robin, I believe that. Francisca, I believe that. And the second thing David did, and this is so very important, hear me carefully, MD family. The second thing David did is he withdrew from the conflict to allow God to work his plan. The Bible says that David went into the wilderness. He removed himself, not just from harm's way. He removed himself from the battlefield to let God move. God can't move in a situation until we move out of the situation. I am going to say that one again. God can't move in a situation until we move out of the situation. I'm not just saying geographically relocate. I'm talking about an emotional distance, a mental distance, where we grow silent and allow God to move. We get our hands off the situation. It's still good advice. Let go and let God. Trusted friends like Abiathar, Zadok, they brought the Ark of the Covenant to David in his retreat. And David said, no, 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 take it back to the house of God. Hushai, Itiah, Mephibosheth, others came to him. He sent them back. It comforted him to know they wanted to be with him. But each friend he turned back was evidence to God. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for vengeance. God, I'm looking to you and you alone to steer me out of this conflict. And the third thing David did is he placed it in the hands of God. Here's the verse. Here's the verse. Here is how to release the hurts into his keeping. Psalm 55 verse 16 says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. I can't carry it. I can't run from it. I can't fight this battle, but what I can do is call upon the Lord, and he shall save me. All day long, evening, morning, noon, I will cry to God, and he will hear my voice. And Jesus knows how you feel. 
He tried to melt Judas's heart, but it would not be what melted. He called him friend up to the last, even as he was being betrayed. It's like to be kissed and then crucified. He knows the hurt. He knows what it's like to feel deserted and abandoned. When he feels like nobody will speak up in your defense, no one to render justice. He knows what it's like to help people, only have them to move from hosannas to crucify him. Jesus knows how you feel. Your hurts are safe in his nail-scarred hands. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. Joe, Lucy, that's what he wants to do. He wants to take your hurts and he wants to transform them into some hallelujahs and allow God to do something mighty. David, David learned the process of releasing his hurts, an entire life of betrayal and rejection. But isn't this amazing? This is who God chose to raise up to the throne of Judah and of Israel. God chose someone who knew how to process and how to release those hurts and not get bitter and not get vengeful in the process. And isn't God looking for the same kind of people today? He's looking for people that no matter how you've been battered and how you've been scarred, that you know how to let it go and put it in the hands of the Lord. I know it's a heavy subject this Friday, this Friday morning devotion, but going into Memorial Day weekend, going into a day of remember, a weekend of remembrance, maybe this is a good note. I will be visiting you on Memorial Day morning, Monday, the Lord willing, and uh, I look forward to seeing you there. But for now, but for now, would you take a moment, encourage somebody in this group? You never know the rejection they face. You never know the hurt that they faced. Encourage somebody, encourage those around you, share with others, and may God bless you this weekend, and may you have a meaningful, meaningful Memorial Day weekend. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.